Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a Sideline Sleuth. In this episode, we are going to deviate a little from our normal because I'm going to tell you about a crime that's been solved. And it was within just a couple of weeks, which is relatively quickly in relation to a lot of the other cases we discuss. But it's such an intense story that I really wanted to share with you all because I think you might find it just as mind-blowing as I do. So when I was telling Jasmine we're going to do this case, I said, this one is solved, but it's freaking bananas. (laughs) So I'm really excited about it. And I'm a little giddy. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about the 2012 murder kidnappings of the Bain family in Whiteville, Tennessee. In 2012, Joanne Bain and her husband Gary and their three daughters, Adrian 14, Alexandria 12, and Kylia 8, were supposed to be moving from their home in Whiteville, Tennessee, across the country to Arizona. But on Friday, April 27th, Gary reported his wife and daughters missing. I know what you're thinking. It's always the spouse. But in this instance, you'd actually be wrong. The family was in the process of relocating and moving their belongings from Tennessee to Arizona when the kidnappings and murders happened and were scheduled to begin their journey to Arizona just one day later on the 28th. According to a Tucson, Arizona newspaper, the family had reportedly already lived in Arizona off and on in the past between the years 2004 and 2009. That seems like kind of a big trek to go back and forth, but apparently this is a thing that they do. So the Bain family murder kidnappings span two states, but Arizona isn't one of them. So for anyone who's not familiar with this geographical region, Whiteville is in the southwestern part of Tennessee, really close to the Mississippi line. So those are the two states that we'll be talking about. Okay. The five Bain family members did not end up moving to Arizona. Emphasis on the five. So on Saturday, April 28th, a family friend named Adam Mays was supposed to help the Bains move their belongings to their new home in Arizona. He had been helping them load a U-Haul and had stayed at their home in the days leading up to Joanne and the girls disappearing. Gary Bain was previously married to this woman named Pamela for 20 years, but they divorced in 2002. Well, Pamela is the older sister of Adam. After they divorced, Adam remained friendly with Gary and eventually befriended Joanne, Gary's new wife. Joanne had two daughters from a previous marriage, Adrian and Alexandria, who Gary ended up adopting, and then together the two had Kylia. Adam was somewhat of an honorary uncle to the girls. He was like a father figure, and he often referred to the younger two daughters as, quote, my girls, and reportedly spent a lot of time with them. So on the 28th, Adam is supposed to help the Baines move. But, as you know, on the 27th, Joanne and the three girls are gone. Gary, Joanne, and the girls all went to bed as usual on the evening of April 26th, with Gary climbing into bed around midnight. He said that his wife and children were already asleep, but when he woke up the next morning, they were gone. 
Gary assumed that the girls had gone to school and that Joanne was out running some kind of errands, but when he was unable to reach her on her cell phone and then the girls didn't get off the school bus that afternoon, he realized something was wrong and reported them missing. As the last known person to be with the family, Adam was interviewed by police about the disappearances on April 29th. He confirmed to police that, yes, he was likely the last person who saw Joanne and her daughters, but since investigators had no evidence that a crime had even been committed at this time, that was the extent of the conversation they had with Adam. However, when Joanne's SUV was found abandoned on a rural road in Tennessee on April 30th, they began to suspect that something sinister had actually happened to the missing Bane girls. So they go back to question Adam, again realizing he had likely given them misinformation, but he's nowhere to be found. No. Right? It just makes my skin crawl. So Adam was last seen in Guntown, Mississippi on May 1st, which according to Google Maps is 89 miles or about an hour and a half from Whiteville, Tennessee, where the Bain family lived. Adam Mays was seen at a store, and his typical appearance had been altered. (gasps) He had very long hair, and he was known to always have it. But on that day, he was seen with it all chopped off. And when asked about it, he told another customer that he did it in an attempt to keep cool in the summer because the southern heat is brutal. But he's, like, always looked like this. Yeah. I think one of the pictures I showed you looked like a surveillance footage from, like, a gas station or convenience yes, store. Yes, that's... So that's the altered image of him. You are kidding. After the Bane girls are gone. Okay, yeah, he's totally... So cops go talk to him. He's like, yeah, I was probably the last person who was with them, but I don't know what happened to them. And then he ghosts then they, and changes his appearance yes, violently. They find her car abandoned. Then they're like, hey, he probably knows more than he's saying. Now he's gone. He's an hour and a half away, and he looks totally different. So, on, Suspicion. on May 2nd, Adam is officially declared a person of interest in the case. Though, police were not really certain that a crime had actually been committed. So, I'm not sure how you can be a person of interest in a non-crime, but he was. Yeah, well, they're missing. Yeah, they're like, these people are gone. We don't know, like, if it's under suspicious circumstances. I mean, I guess it's always suspicious. We don't know if it's under, like... Foul play. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But if they suspect this, foul play. But if it's foul play, then Adam is the person that they want to know more about. So now that he's in person of interest, investigators concluded that he may have also cut the children's hair to disguise them or alter their appearances in some way. So they announced that he is armed and dangerous and that he might be using the aliases Christopher Wilde or Paco Rodriguez. But he's like, the way he spelled Rodriguez, look at this. It was R-O-D-R-I-G-A-S-S. And I'm like, have you never seen Rodriguez written out? Because that is not how you spell it. But police announced, like, and they show a picture, like, where they've, like, photoshopped his hair out. And they're like, he might be going by Christopher Wilde or Paco Rodriguez. But before I continue with the details and timeline of events, I want to tell you a little bit about Adam Mays as a person. So he was 35 nearly 36 when this was going on, and he was married to a woman named Teresa, who has been described as intellectually challenged. He was the youngest of six children, and you already know that one of his older siblings was a woman named Pamela Mays Bain, which is Gary's ex-wife. Adam and Teresa live with his parents in Alpine, Mississippi, 
which according to Google Maps, is about 12 miles from Guntown, Mississippi, where he was last seen just before he was listed as a person of interest. Okay, with the cropped hair. Yes. Mm -hmm. Teresa's mother, a woman named Josie Tate, said that Adam was violent and controlling, and that she had previously called the police about some kind of domestic disputes between Adam and her daughter. One of Adam's sisters, not sure if it was Pamela or not, but one of his sisters said that Adam is an aggressive person and that he's untrustworthy. In 2010, Adam was investigated for a child sexual abuse claim when a family member said that they walked into a bathroom and saw Adam with a seven-year-old girl that he was babysitting. The little girl was completely naked, and Adam was shaving her legs. First off, seven is way too young to be shaving. She didn't have any leg hair. Yeah, and, yeah like, and second off, why is this man doing that who's just a babysitter? And why are you completely naked? Like, I shaved my legs sitting on the side of the bathtub. In, like, my pajamas. Like, yeah. pretty much exactly what I'm wearing right now. So, it just, the whole thing was suspect. So, report, some of the reports say that Adam was also naked, but others mentioned that only the girl was naked. So, but somebody was naked. Weird either way. The whole situation's weird. So, the person who called this tip in also said that Adam had a stash of child pornography in his bedroom. So, investigators went to follow up on the call. So and sad. I know, it's just disgusting. Adam was at work, but Teresa allowed them in the home to search. Investigators didn't find anything, but asked the U.S. Postal Service investigators to check his mail for a month, but that turned up nothing. Okay. Adam denied the claim, so with his denial and also the complete lack of evidence at the home, as well as the post office search, investigators believe that the report was unfounded and it was dismissed. But I saw no oh, so word. This of, is before the whole yes, Bane girl incident. Yes, two years before. Okay, okay. So, but I saw nothing about what the little girl's family said. Like, if, if I, someone saved, shaved my seven-year-old daughter's legs, that's a crime right there. Yeah, that's weird. You shouldn't see yeah. them naked. It's, Agreed. Yeah. I don't know what so, the crime would be. In a, I don't know. Yeah, just like, I don't know. Yeah, we need to create one. So. At some point in early May, Teresa confesses to her sister what she knows. She said that she saw Adam kill Joanne and Adrian Bain, and that she then drove them, so him, Alexandria, herself, and Kylea, as well as the bodies of Joanne and Adrian, back to Mississippi, where she watched Adam dig a hole in the yard to bury the bodies. Her sister urges her to contact the police with this information, and Teresa said that she already told the police what she knows. Nah. Yeah. The sister said she was not buying that, so she called the police herself. So, good sister. Um, may, well, good citizen. <laughs> so, on May 4th-ish, Teresa, Adam's wife, tells police that a crime actually was committed in connection with the Bain family kid- kidnappings because she actually saw her husband kill Joanne and the oldest daughter, 14-year-old Adrian in the Bain family garage in Whiteville, Tennessee. So, I don't know, like, they went to the house, they said they saw no evidence of a crime being committed. So, like, what the heck happened in that garage that they they don't think anything... It took them days before they realized that somebody was harmed. I don't know. And he doesn't look competent enough to me because... To, like, clean up a scene or handle it. So what you guys don't know is that I think he looks like the Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, we're just going to talk about him. And the Scarecrow's the one who has no brains, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't think he has the brains to clean up this scene. He really does look like the Scarecrow, though. I'll put a side-by-side and put it on Instagram or something. Not to judge him, but definitely to judge him. But we judge him. Yeah. So, uh, Teresa said that she drives them back to Alpine, Mississippi. so like an hour and a half away with two bodies in the car. 
and then he buries them behind their mobile home. Well, on May 5th, her statement checked out when <gasps> investigators discovered two badly decomposed bodies oh. buried in a shallow grave behind the mobile home. So Joanne, the mom, and 14-year-old Adrian are dead. And Adrian is the mom's, like, da- daughter from the first. Yes, but Gary adopted her. Mm-hmm. So oh. the, the oldest two, Adrian and Alexandria, are, were adopted by Gary Bain. Okay, so, so the, the, the other two that are, were, quote-unquote, his girls, Adam's girls. Only So there's three girls. There's Adrian, 14, Alexandria, 12, and Kylia, okay. 8. So Adrian and Alexandria, the oldest two, are not Gary's biologically, but gotcha. the middle one and the youngest one are the ones that he's obsessed with. Okay. And they're the two who are missing still. Gotcha. So um, on May 8th, Teresa Mays and Mary Frances Mays, which would be Adam's wife and mother, were charged as accomplices in the crime and taken into custody. Rightfully so. Yes. On May the 9th, Adam was added to the FBI's most wanted list, briefly replacing James Whitey Bulger. And you might know him as the guy from The Departed, the 2006 Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack. You know this movie? I'm just going to be honest. All I remember is Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) (laughs) No judgment. I also remember him (laughs) from that. So he... Whitey Bulger is a mob boss FBI informant. It's a great movie. But anyway, so Adam replaced him on the FBI most wanted list for just like a smidgen of time. So Adam was charged with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, multiple counts of aggravated kidnapping, and two counts of first-degree murder. But we still don't know, like, we know that the youngest two weren't killed at the house. We don't know if they're alive still. Oh, my gosh. Um, poor dad. I know. So on May 10th, Mississippi Highway Patrolmen and Mississippi Fish and Wildlife Officers followed up on a tip and searched a wooded area behind the Zion Hill Baptist Church, which was only like a mile and a half from where Adam and his family lived in Alpine. They had reportedly already searched this area once, but decided to search it again. And there they found Adam and the two younger girls. So... May 10th is a significant amount of time for the girls to be missing. April 27th, the day they were reported missing, was a Friday. And May 10th, 2012, was a Thursday. So it was, like, essentially two weeks of the girls being gone. And officers spotted them because, like, this one of the girls was peering over a ridge. And then they saw the other girl, like, peek her head over. And then, of course, they saw Adam. The officers instructed Adam to put his hands up but he only raised one of them. In the other hand, he was holding a 9mm gun. Officers at the scene reported that Adam never pointed the weapon at them or at either of the girls, but they asked him repeatedly to drop his weapon, but he wouldn't. So you can probably guess where this is going now. During the capture attempt, Adam committed suicide by reportedly shooting himself in the head. Fortunately, Alexandria and Kylia were rescued relatively unharmed, though they did obviously go to a hospital to be checked out. Adam was transported in critical condition to a hospital in New Albany, Mississippi, but he was pronounced dead later that night. When the police discovered the trio, the girls had been without food or water for three days. So not the full two weeks, but the last three days. Probably when they were in hiding in the woods, because yeah. he knew he had to like go off the grid more. Both of them were dehydrated and covered in poison ivy rashes and insect bites. Oh, he's not- I know. Reportedly, neither girl cried despite being within an arm's reach of Adam's body when he shot himself in front of them. Instead, the officers said that they appeared to be relieved, which is understandable. Because they probably watched him kill Joanne yeah, and, and Adrian. Living in terror. So, 
After the rescue, Josie Tate, so Teresa's mom and Adam's mother-in-law, said that he took the coward's way out. Teresa and Adam's mom, Mary Frances, as you know, were charged with murder and kidnapping, and both were facing the death penalty. But Josie Tate claimed that Adam had forced Teresa and brainwashed her into participating in the crimes. And like we said, she was like intellectually disabled. So yeah, she might have been manipulated. But Mary Frances, she has no excuse. So other than the fact that she also looks like the scarecrow. So Mary Frances' charges were actually changed from four counts of conspiracy to commit um, especially aggravated kidnapping to two counts of especially aggravated kidnapping. So she didn't, she only got, yeah, went from four to two, yeah. Um, I don't know what especially aggravated means, but investigators said that she allegedly confined the two girls, 12-year-old Alexandria and 8-year-old Kylea, and like held them hostage, basically, after Adam and Teresa brought them to Mississippi. So she definitely was in the know about yeah. what was happening and had all of her cognitive abilities to know better. Yeah. So I don't understand how people get on board with things. Like, if you're like, hey, Megan, I'm about to go kill two people. Do you want to hold the other two hostage while I dig dig bodies? While I dig graves for these bodies? I'm not going to say yes. Like, Yeah, I might pretend to say yes. Yeah, and and then then I'm going to alert authorities. Yeah. But, I mean, I like you. Yeah, but what kind of relationship do you have where you feel like you can say that and you think the other person's going to be down? Yeah. Like, what kind of other conversations have you had I don't know a bond so strong. I don't either. Everybody I know would be like, and you're going to jail. (laughs) So... Teresa testified that Adam had actually been planning the kidnappings and murders for about a year. And the whole thing, this is where the motive comes in. I don't know if I want to give it away yet. Why do you think he did this? Because it's probably not what you, it's probably not what you think. Or it's probably like sort of what you think. I don't know. Maybe he had like created this like idea in his head that like him and the other little girls would be a family or something. Wow, you're so sorry. (laughs) Okay, but like what, you think he thought he was their dad? I don't think he thought he was, or maybe he deluded himself into thinking he was their dad, but I think he had some type of perceived bond with them that was, like, stronger than, I, maybe he didn't think the other two deserved them, or, like, whatever, but. Do you remember in the Relisha Rudd case, we were like, can I guess? And yeah. then you were like, kitty litter, and I was like, even more sinister than kitty litter? Okay, so even worse than that. Oh. He, the whole thing was centered around his romantic interest <gasps> in Alexandria, the oh. 12-year-old girl. The young, the no, middle, not the young, the middle one, middle. yeah. So... Oh. Teresa said that Adam told her that he had new social security numbers and dates of birth for him and the two youngest Bane daughters so that he could change their identities. In the days leading up to the actual murder kidnappings, there were two other kidnapping attempts. One on April 25th and another on April 26th. How do you attempt that and then still get to chill at the house? I don't think... I think it just didn't go the way he thought, so he, like, aborted the mission. So... Um, Teresa said that Adam sold his motorcycle to pay for the kidnapping and instructed her to stay hidden in the car during those two aborted kidnapping attempts of Alexandria and Kylea. So, it's like, it's about to get weird. Well, I mean, it's already weird, but there's just, there's... Yeah, it's super weird. The onion is still being peeled. So, on August 9th, 2012, the two women were sentenced as part of a plea bargain, and Teresa got 35 years, and Adam's mother, Mary Frances, got 13 and a half for their roles in the kidnappings and murders. What? Yeah. Okay. But. Teresa, the wife, got 35. 35 because she was there when he murdered them. She drove the car. Okay. So I think Mary Frances was just got 13 and a half because she just held those two girls, like, quarantined them, basically, yeah. while the graves were dug and things like that. But Teresa was, like, a co-conspirator. Whether or not she was mentally capable of being a co-conspirator, she was, yeah. you know? And then she was held information for a yeah. really long time. And then she was like, yeah, I already told the cops. JK, I didn't. So. 
Something that I did not expect was that killing Gary Bain, the dad, was actually part of the original plan. So Adam attempted to kill him because he gave him two alcoholic beverages that he had mixed with a combination of visine and prescription drugs. But Gary didn't die. So that's the night that this happened. Gary said he goes to sleep and everybody else is already asleep and he wakes up and they're gone. He was like knocked out. He was hammered. Because Adam gave him alcohol mixed with drugs and thought he was going to kill him, but it didn't. And he just and wakes up and his family. That's anything. why he didn't hear anything. And he probably didn't realize he was so drugged. Yeah. Yeah, probably he was probably weird. just like, I had a drink last night, and now my family's gone, which makes you look questionable to invest. Because, like, really, you had a couple drinks, and you wake up, and your whole family's gone? Yeah. Yeah, so after Gary and Joanne went to sleep that night, Adam entered the home to follow through with his plan. He actually had keys to their house. So they really so trusted him. Close. Yeah. I just think it would be weird if anyone ever was really close to my little, you know what I mean? Like yeah. My mm-hmm. kids. I'm just too suspicious. Like a grown yeah. man, I'd be like, it's weird. You, you need to go hang out with your yeah. friends. And why are you, <laughs> yeah. Why are these people your friends? So, but it, I mean, Gary had known him for over 20 years because Gary had been married to Adam's sister for 20 years right. before even meeting Joanne. Yeah. So he, you just don't think This like was that. like family. T- yeah. You yeah. never want to think that people are capable of what they're capable yeah. of. So... He enters the house using his keys, and he goes into the couple's bedroom. Gary is, like, knocked out. So he wakes up Joanne and tells her to come outside to the shop because Kylia is sleepwalking. So Joanne gets up, and she follows him out there. I'm assuming without questioning it or, like, questioning why he was inside their home in the middle of the night to begin with. But once in the shop, Adam hit Joanne with a board to subdue her, and then he proceeded to strangle her with a rope. After he killed Joanne, he then smothered 14-year-old Adrian. And while this was taking place, he had instructed Teresa to drive around the two younger girls, Alexandria and Kylia. So I don't think they necessarily saw them get killed, but they knew something was going on. So, like, he went in and he took them out first. But So we really didn't even have to kill Adrian and Joanne. Yeah, he, he could have just, just kidnapped the little two and left. But he takes the little two and he gives them to Teresa. She drives around with them while he kills Joanne and Adrian. He really could have just taken left. them and left. Yeah. He, and everybody was asleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he would. And why didn't he just drug, like, drug the wife and the husband? They'd both yeah. be asleep for a long yeah. time. He, like, wanted to murder them. Yeah. And I don't understand, like, why not? Why he was murdered it, a little girl. Why did you kill Adrian? Yeah. I don't, I don't. Well, I sort of know why he killed Adrian. So him and Teresa, the two little girls, and the two bodies travel from Tennessee to Mississippi for the burial. They have to smell the bodies. So, I know. Oh. So, what caused Adam Mays to decide to murder or try to murder three family members and then abduct the youngest two? Well, basically, Adam wanted the younger two Bane daughters for himself. And he spent years grooming not only them, but their family to gain their trust and put himself into a position where he could realistically make his fantasy come true. So... I told you earlier that he had some kind of romantic interest in the middle daughter, 12-year-old Alexandria. Well, in Theresa May's FBI statement, she said that her husband wow. In Theresa May's FBI statement, she said that her husband Adam were, would refer to Alexandria as his quote-unquote new love and said that the two were going to be together. Well, apparently he wanted to leave the country with the youngest two girls and flee to Mexico where he planned to pose as Alexandria's spouse and try to pass Kylia off as their daughter. But Alexandria's 12, and Kylia's 8, and she looks 12 and 8. 
but he wanted to go there under the disguise that he and Alexander were husband and wife and Kylea was their child. He's like super deluded and, and or just not and very smart. What is up with Teresa for her to just be down with that? Like, this is your that husband. That was my question a long time. Yeah, I was like, uh. So he's telling you he's in love with a child and you are co-signing that behavior basically. Yeah, not You're just only like, that, he's not taking you to Mexico. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, by the way, thanks for helping me do this, but I'm about to just like. Getting dumped. Yeah, just like ditch you here and go be with this 12 year old again what kind of relationship do you have these are conversations you can have and they're not deal breakers because it's like pedophilia is a non-negotiable i'm sorry you're in love with a 12 year old i am sorry i'm out and for that reason i'm out so i love that meme it's gotta phone. see my face <laughs> yeah I, sometimes i wish this was recorded like the breakfast club and you guys could watch us talk about it so according to josie tate Teresa's mom Adam was kind of delusional to the point that he already felt like he was Kylie's father. So it really wasn't that much of an act for him to follow through with this plan because he already had some kind of feelings for Alexandria and he felt like Kylie was his. So it was really just a matter of getting the girls to go along with it because he was like invested. He had like bought into this story for a long time. So reportedly in the vehicle after the murders took place, Kylie was crying and Alexandria was trying to console her. But Kylia was told that her sister was going to be her new mom and that Adam was going to be her new dad. So this is just like a lot going on. Like I have a seven-year-old niece and I can't imagine somebody being like, yeah, I know your mom just got killed, but your sister is going to be your new mom and I'm going to be your new dad. Like that's just like too much to process. And then she was stuck somewhere with this man for two full weeks. I don't know. so much. I, yeah. I was like, you, how do you create a situation where somebody would be okay with like where a kid would be okay with that unless you're saying like i'm not the one who actually murdered your yeah. mom you know what i mean yeah they're That's certainly like, never oh, good, yeah. I saved you from something yes like, yeah he just wasn't i mean not to say that i'm like condoning any of this yeah. all the way no or maybe but. he was planning to get them to do what he wants out of fear like hey i just killed your mom so now go along with it because you know what i'm capable of but i think it would have been much what's the saying like you attract more like something with honey i don't know you know like Right, you, yeah, you yeah, win people over. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, you win people over much more. Like I rescued you, like yeah. than like fear me. You know, like you'd rather be loved than feared, right? Like I don't yeah. know. I'd rather be both. I'm Michael. <laughs> I'm, I'd rather be both. <laughs> I'm Michael Scott from the <laughs> There's a very similar <laughs> quote I think he said there. So in the statement Teresa Mays gave to the FBI, she said Alexandria told her that. Adam had, you know, said he was going to go to Mexico, and they they were able to get legally married there. So Alexandria is probably terrified. Like, the scarecrow man just told me that we're about to get married. <laughs> and he also... He, you cracked me up the office, and then the scarecrow man is going to marry me. So my mom is gone. My older sister's gone. I now have to be the mom of my little sister, and I'm also about to be somebody's wife. So he told her that they couldn't get married in the U.S. because she was underage and because he was already married in the United States. But apparently he thinks that Mexico is lawless. He's the sloppiest option. (laughs) He's trying to make himself seem good. There's a lot of problems with his plan. Yeah. So among the items recovered from the wooden area where Adam and the girls were found were condoms and a diary that investigators referred to as a quote-unquote love book. The diary was a white binder that included wedding plans for Adam and Alexandria. According to Teresa, Adam was proud of what he had done, showed no remorse, and believed that he would be able to successfully flee the country and not get caught because he was, quote-unquote, smarter than most criminals. 
which hardly seems to be the case. Again, deluded. Yeah. However, he did manage to elude law enforcement for like two weeks and somehow leave that garage, like a murder scene, a double homicide, so clean that they didn't even realize a crime had taken place, let alone, like, I don't know. He just, so maybe he is a little bit smarter than he looks. I just, I'm not, I'm but that's not hard because he looks really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we. That was so you cool. You guys have to look at his face. <laughs> yeah, I'll post them on Facebook and on Instagram. So if you don't follow us already, it's uh, at Sideline Sleuths on Instagram and then Facebook.com slash Sideline Sleuths for, um, for the other one. And we also have a, like a chat in there if you have questions or comments or things and nobody ever posts in it. So like help us make that a thing. Yeah. So there are a lot of reports about this and many are redacted, but a former reporter named Amelia Carlson wrote a book about the case using these released police documents. And one of the documents has a quote from an investigator that referred to Adam Mays' behavior as the, like his relationship with the girls as being the worst case of child pedophile grooming that he had ever seen. So in 2011, more than a year before the murder kidnappings happened, Adrian and Alexandria's biological father, Mark Johnson, relinquished his parental rights voluntarily to Gary Bain. However, after the murder, he reportedly changed his mind and wanted custody of his youngest daughter, 12-year-old Alexandria, again. So he must feel terrible. Yeah. Like, he... wonder reason it's not his fault. Yeah. Like, it's not Gary Bain's fault either. Yeah. But... And what's really... This whole thing is awful. But what's super awful about that is if he were to get custody of Alexandria, that would split up the surviving two girls. Something Gary, which is Kylia's biological father, and Alexandria's legal father was not, like, willing to let happen. So Mark was like, hey, I want Alexandria back. And Gary was like, "Uh uh-uh. So I don't know if this actually happened, but as you know, you cannot reverse an adoption. So, like, in the Jalik case, they were like, we don't want Jalik anymore. We want to control all, delete this. And they were like, you cannot. And so I doubt that Mark could get Alexandria back. He already, she was adopted. He already gave her to somebody else. So I think it would be really hard for him to get her back. That's such a sad story. I mean, if you lost one of your daughters, like, of course, like, you'd want, you know? Yeah. But I think it would be, I don't know, it's, I think it would be worse for the two girls to separate them. Yeah. So they, they should stay together with Gary. And that's, like, their, their relationship. That's their bond. So. Should at least have that. After Adam killed himself, his family members did not claim his body and actually refused to receive it for burial or whatever. So his body was donated to the body farm at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville in June of 2012. And the body farm looks so gruesome, but also like so cool at the same time. Have you seen it? No, I never even knew that there was such My phone is charging, but you should Google it. Body farm. So I looked this up not that long ago because I found out that there's one in Texas. (gasps) And it's actually in the same town that my best friend Megan lives in, which is weird because my name is Megan too, but anyway. So, the, are you looking at it? Oh, yeah. So, a body farm is a research facility where people study decomposition in a variety of settings at various states. So, the first body farm was actually the one that Adam went to, which started in 1987 by an anthropologist named Dr. William Bass because he was interesting... He was interested in studying the decomposition of the human corpse from the time of death all the way to, like, total decay. So the goal of these is that researchers will be able to gain a better understanding of decomposition process and be able to develop new techniques for extracting information, like determining how long a person has been dead, as well as determining their cause of death by studying the remains. So in 
the John Glasgow episode, we talked about how oftentimes when a body is left exposed to the elements for years and years, that it can be hard to identify them or determine the individual's cause of death. So at the body farm, the corpses, which that sounds kind of weird to say, but at the body farm, the bodies are left outside, exposed to the elements so that researchers can perfect their knowledge and skills and hopefully improve their ability to come to those kind of conclusions in cases where the remains may have been outside for too long or ex- yeah. like excessively long periods of time. So it looks really cool and also really gross. But there are seven... This is our sick bond. Yeah. <laughs> there are seven similar facilities in the United States, including the one in Knoxville, Tennessee, and the research facility at Texas State near where Megan lives. And the one operated at Texas State is the Freeman Ranch, and it's the largest one in the country with 26 acres. And the quote-unquote decomp yards are not tourable, which sucks. But Dr. William Bass, the one from Tennessee, he said that they get constant requests for tours. They said one time, like, a Girl Scout troop (laughs) requested to come look at it. I was like, please tell me that these were, like, 20-year-old Girl Scouts. But so the same way that you couldn't, like, tour a morgue and watch an autopsy because it's meant for scientists and police. You can't do that at a body farm either. So it's kind of, I mean, it's understandable, but it's also kind of disappointing because I want to go. But I was thinking, like, maybe we will be important enough because we have a podcast (laughs) that we can be like, this is the media. (laughs) We would like to tour this and maybe they'll let us. So anyway, before Adam was found and ultimately took his own life, there was a $71,000 reward for information leading to his whereabouts and apprehension. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation was offering $6,000. The FBI and U.S. Marshal Service were offering $50,000. And then the final fifteen dollars was offered by the Tennessee Governor's Office. On July 30th, 2012, the FBI announced that it had paid out reward money to several individuals for information leading to the capture of Mays, though it was not known if they actually paid out that full 50000 or not. But I never hear stories about, like, and yes, you get the money, yeah. but they actually did pay out reward money because a tip led them to well, his rescuing, well, not because he died, but rescuing those two girls relatively unharmed. Like, the psychological damage, but they yeah. were alive. So, I don't know. Uh, that, was a sad, I, that was a sadder story than I thought you yeah. were going to, I mean. Because I told you it was bananas, which made you think it was going to yeah, be cool, but I really it's just bananas. Like, this yeah, man was in love with a 12-year-old. Bananas. But he was married to a mentally handicapped woman convinced her to help him murder two people and kidnap two others so that he could marry one of them in Mexico, in Mexico. and pretend that her sister was their love child. And he had, the weirdest part for me, honestly, was the wedding book. Yeah, the, the love, love book. But they never said anything about if the girls were sexually assaulted. They just said they found condoms. But they didn't say used condoms, so maybe he had That's not. Good. I just sincerely hope not. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if somebody. I feel like they would have told us. You'd think so. I think they're so young. They're underage. Like, that's not our... You know? Like, I feel like it's one of those... But maybe he was... He wanted to legally, quote-unquote, legally marry her. So maybe he wanted to wait to consummate their marriage until after... But he was just holding his condoms just in case. That's that's terrible. Those poor girls. Like, I can't even... Can't even imagine what they went through And It was 13 days. He's just like... 13 days in hell. Yeah, basically. But at least they didn't get married, and they hopefully didn't have sex, and... And hopefully the two Bane girls are still together. And I don't know. He just was, like, serious. Like, I'm going to marry this girl. Let's show her the wedding book. Because yeah, she was I told, like... I don't know a lot of dudes that make wedding books. Yeah, so he was but very invested in this. But it's so disgusting. And, and then And he sh- allegedly shaved some little girl's legs two years before this happened. Like, who is she? Was sick dude. He was definitely sick. This episode discussed serious issues such as alleged sexual abuse of children, child pornography, and other pedophile behaviors such as grooming.
In the United States, approximately one in four girls are sexually abused before the age of 16 and one in six boys. If you or someone you know is a victim of sexual abuse, please know that there are resources available to help. You can contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline, operated by the organization RAIN, that's RAIN with two N's, R-A-I-N-N, by calling 1-800-656-HOPE, that's 1-800-656-4673. Also, the National Child Abuse Hotline can provide local referrals for services, and you have the option of talking or texting a counselor. This service is available in over 140 languages, and you can reach them by phone or text at 1-800-422-4453. The organization Darkness to Light provides crisis intervention and referral services to children and any individual impacted by sexual abuse of children. Their hotlines are automatically routed to a local center in your area. That number is one 866 4 that's one eight six six F O R L I G H T or one eight six six three six seven five four four four. There are several other reputable organizations such as the National Children's Alliance, Stop It Now, and Justice for Children. A list of available resources can be found by visiting Rain's website at R A I N N dot org. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sidelinesleuths.